Paul reminds the Galatians that they responded to Jesus Christ and not to him. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Ron Hemphill. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we are learning from Galatians chapter 4 what Paul says to this province. is very interesting, or to this church. Uh, the church is in the province. And as we study this, think carefully about what God is doing. Right now, Corey is here with Ryan. Corey? Well, an issue pops back up here in the book of Galatians that we first read about back in the book of Acts. So we're going to be talking about that issue later on in the program. Ryan? Well, today I'm going to be talking or taking my cue from Paul, who mentions a very important biblical figure, Sarah. All right. Very interesting. Janice? I'm going to talk about Paul's concern for the church. All right. All of this coming up in the next half hour. So get your Bible and your Bible guide. Let's open up the Galatians 4. Let's listen to the Lord. Galatians 4, verses 8 through 20. But then, indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you, that you may be zealous for them. But it is good to be zealous in a good thing always and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you, I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 20. Galatians 3 and 4. This is so great. I want to tell you, uh, it gets very exciting as we begin to read through the Bible. We're coming up on the end times. I'm looking forward to Revelation, which is happening soon. We're nearly a month away, and uh, it's very, very good. You know, Paul spent much of his letter, Galatians, to talking to the church at Galatia, encouraging them to, to think right. The problem that they were experiencing was that the people had come from Jerusalem to make the Galatian Christians into Jewish Christians. And they called these people the Judaizers. Now, the Judaizers 
wanted all Christians to become Jewish in culture and in practice by following God's old law in the Old Testament. Well, in response, Paul thunders, the former Pharisee thunders with the words of God that the people who accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord in faith needed to do nothing more. They were accepted. You see, to be a Christian meant to follow Jesus, not to convert to Judaism and follow Jesus. This passage is a fascinating read, since many today fall into the same trap. Listen, understand that there's nothing we can do to make ourselves right with God. Zero, nothing we can do. Jesus Christ did all the work. We must come to him in faith and ask him to be Lord of our lives. That's how we make ourselves right with Jesus Christ. That's how we make ourselves right with the Lord. All right? Take your Bible guide. Turn to today's passage because it is good. We're going to focus on Galatians 4. Doubts. A lot of people have doubts about their faith and all of that kind of thing. But let me tell you something. We need to hear from verse 8 what God is saying to us through Paul. And uh, so if you take your Bible, guys, if you don't have one, why not write to us or call us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you get there, click on the Bible Guide page. It'll take you to the donations. And let me say, by the way, thank you for your donations. Very important, especially this time of year. Thank you so much. Where the end of December is our end of the fiscal year. And uh, the Lord has helped us tremendously. So thank you. God has spoken to your hearts and he will continue to. And I just pray for you. Father, I pray for our partners. Touch them today and help them. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, today I pray as we focus on this scripture, help us to get it. Help us to read from the scripture. Minister to us today, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, when I say minister to us, I'm, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, these are your words. Help me to teach him well in the next five minutes and 23 seconds. But then indeed, when you did not know God, Paul says, you served those which by nature are not gods, Paul says. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and the beggarly elements? Do what you desire again to be in bondage. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Brethren, brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you, and you have not injured me at all. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus did. Beloved, remember this. Paul reminds the Galatians that they heard and responded to the good news of Christ Jesus. Not Paul, the good news of Christ Jesus. Beloved, we must follow the Lord Jesus Christ, not a man or a woman. I remember somebody telling me, well, so-and-so healed me. And I said, no, they didn't. 
I can tell you 100% sure it was God who healed you. <laughs> we place attention in man or in woman. This woman's a prophetess, that man's a prophet, and we worship them. God has spoken to us, beloved, and the Holy Spirit fills men and women and speaks through them. We don't worship the men and women. We don't worship the TV people. We worship Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's who we worship. That's what Paul was saying. here. He goes back, verse 15 of chapter 4. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Very interesting, you know. Listen to this. Paul says that the truth can sometimes seem like an enemy to our thinking. The truth can seem like an enemy to our thinking. The truth of Christ is not an enemy, but brings freedom from sin. Beloved, today, so many people don't want the truth. They just want to be right. No matter, they want their truth to be right. They want to reinvent the truth and reconfigure it. But you know, there is a truth out there outside of you. There is a truth around us. And if we don't sense it, we're going to head in the wrong direction. I'm telling you right now, our objective is to look for the truth. And let me tell you where the truth is. It's in the Bible. That's where the truth is. And I submit to you the word of God, because those are the Holy Spirit's words. Those are God's words. It's in the Bible, the world's best-selling book ever. So we need to understand that. That's what Paul was saying. Now, Paul continues and he says, very interesting. Paul says that the truth sometimes seems like an enemy to our thinking, but the truth of Christ is not an enemy, but brings freedom from sin. Now, the next verse says, they zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you that you may be zealous for them. Paul's talking, I love this. But it's good to be zealous in a good thing, always. And not, to, not only when I am present with you. My little children, he says, for whom I labored in birth pangs again until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. Wow. Paul warns the Galatians not to be followers of people. Don't be followers of people. That's going to get you wrong every time. We must be followers of Jesus Christ, who was God, fully God and fully man. He was the only one with that title. He was the only one who existed in that space. And we need to understand that. And so, Lord, I pray today in Jesus' name that you would reach out to people and that your Holy Spirit would move on their hearts right now and help them, Lord, as we pray together and we ask you, Lord Jesus Christ, pray with me and say, Lord, come into my heart, come into my life. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. I believe you paid the cost of sin. Forgive me of my sin and be the Lord of my life. In the name of Jesus Christ, this is what we all pray today. And we said together, amen.
All right, so here in the book of Galatians, we see Paul uh, struggling against teachers who have visited the churches of Galatia, and they've been trying to get them to follow some of the cultural and religious Jewish laws once again. Now, this issue, if you're just you know a modern reader reading through the New Testament, it has already been dealt with pretty conclusively back in the New Testament book of Acts. But today, you and I are going to be taking a look at this um, Gentile Christian issue uh, and seeing what we can learn about it here in Galatians. Take a look. The New Testament book of Acts documents the transition from a fledgling Jewish Christianity to a full acceptance of Jesus's new covenant that was open to the Gentiles. Acts chapter 10 documents Peter's schooling by God. We're told first that a Gentile Roman centurion who is well known among the Jews for fearing God receives an angelic message to call for Simon Peter. This Roman, we're told, is uncircumcised, a man who believes on the Jewish God but does not follow the Mosaic law. Next, we're told that Simon Peter experiences a vision from God of a cloth descending from heaven filled with ritually unclean animals. God tells Peter to kill and eat, an appalling idea to a Jewish man. This vision repeats three times. Clearly, it's an important concept. Peter then receives the envoy sent by Cornelius and breaks Jewish law by going to visit this Gentile household, fellowshipping with them and eating their Gentile food. The Holy Spirit descends on the household as they accept Peter's teaching about Christ. And for Peter, the deal is sealed. He recognizes that the vision and the approval of the Holy Spirit meant an acceptance of the Gentiles as is, without the need to obey the Mosaic law. To emphasize the importance of this event, the author of Acts records it three times, as Peter's vision was seen three times, so the history will be retold to us three times. The tension, however, was not over. In Acts 15, a council is held in Jerusalem after a group of Jewish Christians upset Gentile Christians by commanding an observance of the Mosaic Law. Peter and Paul win the day by testifying to the Holy Spirit's acceptance of these law-breaking Gentiles. God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. So the issue may have expressed itself in a little bit of a different way, uh, but it's essentially the same issue. This idea, you know, do Gentiles first have to become Jewish in order to be Christian, or does their Christianity also have to have uh, intrinsically Jewish uh, cultural and legal aspects to it. Uh, and Paul has been very clear and, and he, he re-clarifies himself here in Galatians that no, in fact, um, Christians are obligated to trust in Christ and Christ alone for their salvation. Christ plus the law or Christ plus good works, it doesn't work that way. So 
who are you trusting in? Are you trusting in the way that you're living your life in order to get into heaven? Or are you trusting in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and his forgiveness to get you into heaven? And then because of that love and because of that commitment that you have for Christ, then good works follow you. There is an, there is an inherent difference between those two scenarios. And there are many people today who believe that they have to be right with the church, that the church laws or the church ways, mm-hmm. they've got to get right with the church and they'll be okay with God. And that's the same problem that you had with the Judaizers. They felt that you had to be a Jew in order to be saved. And Paul says insistently, he says no. And Acts 15 says no. The church said no. Yeah. See, this is a human problem. You know, tradition can actually be a really good and really beneficial thing. It can keep fresh in our minds the gifts that God has given us and salvation and the scripture. Tradition can be a really good thing. But the danger with tradition, whether it's we're taking it from the church or whether we're making our own traditions, is that we can begin to trust in those things to carry us along uh, in our sinfulness or in our own righteousness rather than trusting in God uh, first and in Jesus Christ first. So we always ha- we, we always have to be checking ourselves, who am I trusting here? Am, am I trusting in Christ or am I trusting in the things that I'm doing or the authority of my pastor or my priest or my church or my denomination to get me into heaven? So there's this constant self-evaluation because we as humans are fickle. We can one minute be trusting in Christ and the next minute kind of been like, pulling our salvation away. And it's our job to work out our faith and, and make sure that we're staying on target with Christ and God will help us with that. I Very mean, interesting. he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us with that. So it's not something that we have to be um, obsessively afraid of, but we have to be aware of our tendency to float away from God or veer away from God. Yeah, that's interesting. We're three days away from the Friday. We are. What's going on Friday? Yes. Okay. We are very close to Friday, November the 26th. And on that day, on that night, actually, from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time, we will be here. We're hosting a free live event. Uh, It's going to be airing on our YouTube YouTube channel, Bible Discovery TV YouTube channel, as well as our Bible Discovery TV Facebook page. We're going to be exploring the topic of prayer, worship, and warfare in our Christian lives, in the Bible, in our modern society. Um, if you jump on the, the chat rooms in YouTube or Facebook, we are going to be answering your questions as well and comments. So it's not just going to be a one-way conversation. You get to input back to us. So I'm excited about it. Ryan? Yeah, well, you know, in Galatians 4, Paul's addressing some believers who desire to still be under the old covenant, the law. But as Paul says many, many times throughout his letters, the law imprisons, but the new covenant through Jesus Christ sets us free. And to make his point, he uses the example of Sarah and Hagar. Both bore a son to Abraham. But while Hagar was a bondwoman, Sarah was free. Here, Paul says Hagar symbolizes the bondage of the old covenant, while Sarah represents the freedom in the new covenant through Christ. Now, what's so interesting to me about this is that while Paul says these women and their sons were symbols, they were also very real people in history. And I want to review that history today, and we're going to do it from the perspective of Sarah. So let's go. Her name means princess, quite fitting for the mother-to-be of the entire Jewish nation. Indeed, Sarah and her husband Abraham were to be Israel's first parents. 
Though they were originally part of a nation and community that served other gods, Yahweh called them out of that land to bear a new nation, a nation under God Almighty. Certainly it would be a bona fide miracle, since they were both well advanced in age and Sarah had not yet conceived. Nevertheless, they listened to God's calling and journeyed to the foreign land of Canaan, now called Israel. Despite the fact that Sarah was in her mid-60s, the Bible details how beautiful she was. In fact, when Abraham decided to temporarily move them to Egypt during a famine, it was her beauty which concerned him. Perhaps they will see her beauty and kill me and take her for themselves, he thought. Thus he asked Sarah to tell the Egyptians that they are siblings. Although a half-truth, since they shared the same father but not the same mother, it was still a lie because its intent was to hide something. Nevertheless, the plan backfires and Pharaoh ends up taking Sarah anyway. Now the future mother of Israel was about to become the Egyptian queen. It would only be through divine intervention that no consummation would occur. For the Lord plagued Pharaoh's house, which caused Pharaoh to expel Abraham and Sarah from Egypt. From here, they journeyed back to Canaan, now even richer than before, since Pharaoh had previously given Abraham many servants and cattle as a bride price for Sarah. Among these is an Egyptian servant named Hagar, who is Sarah's personal handmaid. And Sarah would soon turn to Hagar for an infinitely more personal matter. Indeed, after a decade passes since God called them out of Haran, Sarah is still barren. She is now 75 and she knows, naturally, it is now impossible for her to bear Abraham's children. So she gives Hagar to him instead. When Hagar becomes pregnant, it seemed to Sarah at first a success. But when Hagar begins to look upon her mistress with disdain, Sarah demotes her from wife status back to slave status. Nevertheless, from this union came Ishmael. And though it would appear this child was the promised heir, God would return to the elderly couple 14 years later to reveal that Sarah would bear a son in one year. Though both laughed at the thought of it, at the appointed time, when Sarah was now 90 and Abraham 100, their promised son, Isaac, was born. He truly was a miracle child. And at the time of his weaning, Abraham held a feast in his honor. However, when Sarah witnesses Ishmael mocking Isaac, she demands that Abraham expel this handmaid and her son. After this, Sarah went on to live until she was 127, and it would be Abraham who would bury her in the cave of Machpelah. You know, reading the account of Sarah giving Hagar to Abraham and Abraham agreeing to it can be kind of upsetting to the modern Western reader. But back then, this was actually a standard practice. Actually, Sarah's offer to Abraham was keeping with the laws of that day, which stated that if a wife proved to be barren, she was obligated to provide her husband a handmaid through whom he could have children so that his seed didn't die out. So what Sarah proposed was in keeping with the laws of that day. But for Sarah, it really was a lapse of faith. Although God had not specifically said that she was going to be the mother, it should have been assumed since she was Abraham's only wife. It would be this lapse in faith that would create problems later since there was a division between Ishmael and Isaac. But Isaac, of course, was the son God had promised Abraham and Sarah originally. And it was through this son that the future Messiah would come and be a blessing to all nations. And now all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are considered sons and daughters of Abraham, not of Hagar, but of Sarah. 
Thus, we're free. And to that I say, praise God. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Janice? Yes. Well, we know here the book of Galatians may be the earliest of Paul's letters and probably his most intense. It was written to clarify and defend the truth of the gospel in the face of a false gospel, and it gives a strong presentation of the truth that sinners are justified and live godly lives by trusting in Jesus alone. And I, I don't want to, you know, kind of reiterate everything that you so very well stated, Corey, of what Paul was teaching in, in this area, the fears for the church, where that you could do something um, added on to what Christ, mm -hmm. the work that Christ already did on the cross and the resurrection. And, and yet there's another side of it as well, that there, that there are some people who also feel that the way to get God to love them more is by doing more for God. And it becomes sort of a twisted uh, area where you can actually just wear yourself out mm -hmm. in thinking that um, the more that you do for God, the more that you're going to be loved by him. And that's just simply not true. You know, it's very difficult for me um, in, in, in my mindset uh, to understand that kind of unconditional love, mm -hmm. to be honest. You know, it's difficult for us, especially those of us that are uh, perfectionists in what we do, or that the way that we show somebody that we love them is by serving and serving and serving. And we see that in the story of Martha and Mary, uh, and, and Jesus actually you know, told Martha that what Mary was doing was so important. And that was sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him teach. Being a disciple. Being a disciple, yeah. yes. And so it's very important for us to remember that God is God and his thoughts are so far above ours. And he has done the work. Jesus Christ did the work for us on the cross and we need to recognize that. And when we do, we begin to serve him out of love not out of obligation, but because we just love him so very much. Today, as we remember that our prayer meetings are Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 3.30 to 4.30 New York time or Eastern Standard Time, we also wanna pray and when we pray, we think about this. Lord, I want you to do your work in my life. In fact, Lord, help me not to become self-absorbed in today's culture. Help me not to become self-absorbed today. In Jesus' wonderful name, Amen.